0: This is the future of the future show. I am your host, Mateo Berbejillo. Lee Zucker, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Lee, we're going to talk today about product management, software development, what it takes to become a a good product manager, what it means to be a good product manager, and we're going to do that by talking about your story. But I want to get started from today. And so I'm going to ask, what do you do today for a living?
1: Ah, well, right now I am the Senior Vice President of Product and Technology at a company called Wild Alaskan Company. So I lead the product team, product design, and uh, technology engineering.
0: Very good. Um, Did did you always think you were going to get into product? How did you get started into into the whole management area yeah
1: well so i mean you and i know a little bit about each other i started uh wanting to be a musician so i studied english in college because i loved reading and writing and i figured i didn't need to know anything any of these you know technology things were just kind of getting rolling um uh, so I, my plan was to be a rock star and uh, that's what I set out to do. But being a rock star just out of college, just it didn't pay very well. And so I needed a job as I did that. I had an English degree and so I found a job as a technical writer. Um, I was working at a large company as a technical writer and um, I, I enjoyed the work, but I realized day after day I was mostly just writing about bad software. I was trying to you know write instructions that would help people use software that just wasn't made for them uh at all uh, uh or is made for them functionally but not in terms of experience right so i try to figure out like okay how do i get past um know trying to help people use bad software and the next thing that happened was i i learned a little bit about user-centered design and usability and a lot of technical writers were thinking about about the same things that i was and Um, And so when I started doing usability and user research and user-centered design, I learned a ton about how to actually design things that would work better for people. And I really enjoyed that work a lot. Um, it turned out as a, as a user-centered designer, I, I spent a lot of my time trying to convince engineers that they should be designing things in a more user-centric way. Right, I, had, um, I did usability studies, I had videos, but still a lot of my work was trying to convince people that they should be doing things that were better for our users. I kept trying to kind of figure out, okay, what's the job you need to have where you don't have to convince somebody, where you actually get to do the thing that's right for the business and for your customers. And so I led an engineering team. I've never been a developer, but I led an engineering team. And when I was leading an engineering team, I realized that the people who the engineers were taking direction from, in a lot of cases, were the product managers. And so I kind of found my way to project product management. Because I was trying to figure out how do you how do you influence the building of things in a way that really works for your users and meets the business goals, and that felt like the right place to start.
0: So you were, without knowing it, you were putting together all of the pieces that make up product management on the user side, on the developer side, and and kind of uh, reaching the gap between them and becoming a translator between those different pieces. Is that yeah. what being a good product broker manager is about, being a good translator between all the different pieces?
1: It's definitely part of it, I think. Yeah, you, you, you point out something I think is very, very true. I think that, um, you know, another piece of it is having empathy, right? And I think being a good translator and having some experience in each of those roles gives you more empathy when you're trying to figure out um, you know, when you're starting with business goals and trying to figure out how to align people, motivate teams, make trade-offs, you know, really work closely with engineers to figure out, like, what's the right way to solve the problem in the near near term and potentially in the long term? I think having that empathy and understanding of what goes into each of those roles is really important.
0: When you were a technical writer, um, Did you get feedback directly from users that were trying to read your instructions and did you see them struggling with them? I mean, um, uh, being a product manager, a a huge part of it is talking to your customers, right? Were you seeing that from the beginning of your career here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a long time ago, but yes, I mean, I think the the best way to to write the instruction was to not only look at the software and what it did, but also to see people struggling with it and and try to figure out how to help.
0: Um, So you were getting all of these skills in a translator, having empathy, knowing how to negotiate between different teams, how to um, achieve your desired objectives and and doing the right trade-offs, right? Um, How do, do most people you know that are good product managers, like went to product management school or do you see a lot of people that just got some of these skills through their career?
1: Yeah, I I don't know a lot of people who've gone to a product management school. I I know some people who've done boot camps and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think I think this is changing over time as it becomes kind of software product management is more and more of a thing that people are going to school for and wanting to to do coming right out of school. Um, But for most product managers I know, they've they've started some other way. I think maybe as a business analyst, maybe as a project manager, maybe as a a software engineer who felt like they could have more of an impact as a product manager. You know, it's a it's a it's an interesting set of skills. I think that make a great Product manager, and there are things that are um, that are uh, you know, definitely things you can learn. I think um, there's a technology piece, and it, and those are things that you can study and learn. There, pro- great product managers are very analytical. I think you can learn a lot about how to be analytical and understand data um, and draw conclusions. Um, you can learn how to be a good communicator, right? There, there are, are different ways to do that, but I also feel like. Like the best product managers that I've worked with are people who have, um, you know, certain things that are a little bit harder to teach or a little bit harder to learn. I think being intellectually curious, for example, is super, super important. Right? right. Um, I think being empathetic, like I like I mentioned earlier, very, very important. Um, and when I hire product managers, I I try to find people who really, and uh, I haven't found a better way to say it, but people who want the ball, right? Like. A lot of times uh, in a work environment, there are people who, who um, you know, they want to solve their piece of a problem, and then they kind of pass it on to the next person who solves their piece of a problem. I feel like the best product managers are people who are not satisfied until the problem is solved, regardless of who owns which piece or what they're specifically responsible for. And, uh, and those things are a little bit harder to teach, um, but they're, they're really important. So, how
0: do you find the people that want the ball when you are hiring for your team? What specific traits? What questions do you ask during an interview?
1: That's an awesome question, and I I don't claim to get it right all the time. I think, you know, I'm certainly I I ask a lot of experience-based questions, and um and those questions tend to be around, um, you know, um maybe a project that a product manager, um decided to do on their own. Uh, Maybe it's something where they had an insight, and it was something that hadn't been understood to the company, and they had to um, sell it to the company and talk to executives about it and articulate the plan. Um, So somebody who can say, okay, I had an idea. It was grounded in data. I had to do a sales job. I had to understand the connection to the business. Um, I had to work with engineers, and here was the outcome. I think Questions like that that help you understand who did you work with, uh, where did you collaborate, how did you figure out what was important, uh, how did you sell it, uh, you know, a lot of those kinds of questions I, I think are really important for for just understanding how somebody's done that in the past.
0: If I may turn that question to you, what is the, the can you tell me about a time, the the, the one that makes you proudest? right the one that makes you proudest that you had to work through it and you had a gut feeling whatever you knew the data do you remember one like if you if, were, if i was interviewing you do you remember one that you would like this is the one i'm going to tell?
1: um yeah there there are several um but uh, but first of all, nice job turning that around. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I mean, I think one example is um, many years ago, I worked at a company called Bluestem Brands, and we had a platform that was supporting um, multiple brands. We had three brands at the time, but the processes that we had and the platform that we had required us to do the same work multiple times, right? We weren't on a unified platform. And as a company, we were interested in acquiring more and more brands. Um, so the first thing that happened at Bluestem was that we needed to pitch. It was me and several other people who I'm still good friends with who are incredibly talented. Um, some that, you know, um, Brandon Anderson, if you're listening and Dave Miko are in particular people who are just fantastic people. And really we work together to figure out, um, how to create a structure at the company that would support the goals that we had and the things that we knew we needed to do from a technology standpoint. So, um, we, you know, from pitching the idea of a product development structure, which didn't exist at the company to aligning the, um, the rest of the company and the executives on, uh, on, a, a replatforming effectively of, um, you know, all of our properties, um, we changed the way we worked. We changed the work we did. Um, I mean, I, we can go into a little bit more detail if you'd like, but, I, but I think that's an example of, uh, it required organizational, it was a lot of organizational complexity. There was a lot of selling. There was a lot of data that we needed to to use to kind of help people understand why, why we were proposing what we were. Um, there were frequent check-ins with stakeholders. Um, we looked at business goals and efficiencies. It was really kind of an end to end, you know, I know very much of the way the company did e-commerce.
0: Who was the buyer there? Uh, were you pitching to the the CTO, it was, CEO? Who who was
1: buying the idea? It was the CEO ultimately. CEO, yeah. But the entire you know executive team uh, at the time we were directors who hadn't yet been promoted into executive roles, which eventually came, uh, and that was great. But it was it was the the c level team, uh, to some extent, we had to make sure that they were, you know, able to talk with the board about what we were trying to do. Um, and the company we were at had a, you know, a lot of kind of legacy systems and legacy people and legacy processes, and so we had to bring a lot of people along uh, in order to transform the company the way we did.
0: Is that a one of the requisites for a product manager to be successful, a C-suite that also is open to understanding the importance of the role, uh, the importance of the influence they need to have across the company?
1: Yeah, that's an that's an awesome question. I, I think a lot has been written about how challenging it is to be like a chief product officer at a company, um, uh, especially a company where the CEO feels also as though they are, you know, a product person. Um, I think that um I think that the product role is a political role um i'm I'm not a i don't feel like I'm a political person I don't love office politics um but I think you need to acknowledge as a product manager that part of your job is going to be to be you know helping uh to be understanding strategy and business goals and then to be aligning your work against those things right and so that necessarily means that there are things that will get resources and things that won't get resources. And you need to be really good at, at understanding, you know, which should be which, and then communicating the reasons for that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that there are product leaders, um, who are of the mind that kind of product is the smartest part of the organization and that, um, and, and there's, you know, they don't want to be as transparent. I think because they feel like other areas within the company don't really understand and they wouldn't know what to do about it and they have suggestions that don't make a ton of sense. Um, I am a product leader who feels really strongly that transparency is the best way to work within an organization. I think um, especially when you're asking people to make trade-offs and you're asking for investment, I think having everybody aligned on, here's what we're doing, this is what the most important thing is, this is what success looks like, um, and here are the things we're not going to do, I think that's incredibly important. And and being able to do that well, I think is the difference in a lot of cases between somebody who who can work well with their executive team and somebody who can't.
0: When you need to get executives to buy in in an initiative, and going back to the transparency being a key that you mentioned, do you try to talk to a lot of stakeholders and get a lot of support before you go to the Suisse suite so that they know that you have already been working on this and already been talking to people and you know the opinion of the CTO of XYC of XYC? Or do you try to, sometimes do you think there are situations where you need to just keep it, you know, uh, not confidential, but, you know, tight. And then only when you have support from the top, you, you go to others. How do you manage that?
1: Um, I think that there are differences in organizations in how they operate. Um, and I have certainly worked with CEOs who would prefer that, um, that kind of, we did a, a product CEO mind meld before taking things to the rest of the team, um, I would say like anything you know, else, it's it's best to show up in a meeting prepared. And so whatever prepared looks like at your organization is what you need to do. Um, if I'm working at a place where the first thing to do is to talk with a CEO, I still think, you know, you need to be prepared for that first meeting with um, data and insight and opinions and, you know, whatever kind of research or, or you know, whatever you need for that meeting. Um, uh so I think that's I think that's really important. In some organizations, uh, in other organizations, being prepared means working with the rest of your stakeholders, making sure that the rest of the executive team is aligned, making sure nobody's surprised in a big meeting. Um, I, I think you know you you need to kind of be adapting to whatever the situation is. Um, I'd say being prepared regardless is important.
0: Very good. Where do you think product management?
1: Is today as a discipline as a field of practice? Um, I, well, I mean, I think we we talked just a tiny bit earlier about um, kind of education and background. I, I think that I mean it's clear that um, that product management is an important discipline. I think product management for software in particular is something that feels like more and more is kind of well understood, and people people understand the. In why it matters within a company. I still think that product management versus product, uh, sorry, project management, is tricky for people. I think um, it's tricky for really good reasons, right? Like the product, the project manager role in an agile process is, is sometimes a little bit unclear. Who's going to do it, yeah. and what you're responsible for. It's that your. It sounds like you've had that that experience too. <laughs> yeah and so i I think moving an organization from project to product is really challenging i think it requires a, a really clear understanding of what the differences are and 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 it's very hard to get people thinking about you know like what makes a good product and what are the projects maybe that need to be delivered in order to do that rather than just kind of this list of projects right that you can crank out a whole bunch of projects and then never build a good product um i think we're still figuring out what that conversation looks like. Um, yeah. It's an interesting one. I, and I've
0: seen the concepts being utilized indistinctively. Project manager, product manager, product owner, and they are all different, right? They have different meanings and they have different consequences. And they have different scope. Uh, but I agree with you in that sometimes that gets uh, used
1: interchangeably. Um, so how do you, how do you help a company understand that? Like when they are hiring a product manager, but they really want a project manager or vice versa, like how do you actually navigate that?
0: I ask a ton of questions. So I say, oh, so you say project manager and when you say project manager, you mean this, 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 and this, or I think specifically when they say product manager and I say, okay, so. You need someone that will be talking to customers. Oh no, no, no! They will not talk to customers. Hmm, that doesn't sound like a product manager, right? <laughs> right. Uh, um. Or, you know, maybe it's more like a product owner that might talk to internal stakeholders and it's looking at the backlog, etc. But it's not talking to marketing. It's not talking about the the sales strategy. Uh. Right. Still, someone right. that is kind of in between. St- Stakeholders and the developers, yes, but not marketing, not sales, not strategy. Right? I see the product manager, someone super strategic, and when mm-hmm. I get asked for a product manager, which is, it's weird that someone will outsource like a full blown product manager, right? Yeah, yeah, that's why mm-hmm. I'm asking all of those questions. Also, because when I interview, when I get the candidates, they are going to come into it super excited, and then. They hit the wall and they are not doing so much strategy. And it's, right. that's something I want to figure out at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably, that's a great point as it relates to the, the earlier comment about product uh, leaders and CEOs being aligned, right? Like mm-hmm. when you, if you're building a team of product managers, you want to be really clear on like, what's the role and how are they going to uh, create or leverage strategy? And like, what what does that role mean within an organization? I still think it varies a lot depending on where you are.
0: Yeah. Do you see any other challenges that the field is facing besides the the, the definitions and the, the, the kind of the clashes between product management and project management?
1: Um, well, I think, um, let me think in terms of challenges. I, uh, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the challenges are, um, Organizational, I think that there are some market challenges right now uh, that we're sort of working through. I think that um, uh, certainly, like new technologies are really important for product managers to understand and embrace in order to stay relevant. I think you know the worst case would be uh, to have a product manager who's just kind of in the way of a company delivering on big goals and engineers being able to be efficient. So, I mean, I think those are all challenges. I think they're they're challenges that we're you know. Collectively, actively working through, uh, but but they're not easy.
0: How do you, if if you if you were a CEO, how would you measure the success of a product manager? Is it tied to sales? Is it tied to delivering on what you know? What is it, right? How do you do you define your your OKRs, KPIs, etc.?
1: Well, I, I'm a big believer in everything stemming from company goals, and so I think a successful product manager is somebody who understands and executes on those, um, regardless of what they are. Right. So, for uh, you know, my current company, there's we're concerned with member acquisition, uh, and we're concerned with retention, and there's a couple of other goals like that. And I think having a, a product management team, um, it's really all of kind of product development or digital product, depending on how how you organize. I think the goals need to ladder up to company goals and the success of the the digital product team has a lot to do with the success of the the company i um, am i'm a big believer in um digital product teams having shared goals so i think um product managers and engineers and product designers should be incentivized the same way they should be thinking about delivering the same things um I've seen teams where there's like an engineering roadmap and a product roadmap. And I'm, I'm a believer that if you have a pool of people and they're all working on the things that are most important, then there shouldn't be multiple roadmaps. Everybody should be aligned on those things. Those things should ladder up to company goals. We should be very transparent as an organization about, you know, what we're trying to achieve and what success looks like. Um, so I, I, uh. Yeah, I don't know if it's a non-answer, but I think the a successful product team is delivering on the company goals.
0: I think it's a it's a great answer. I, I, basically, it ties everything back to the North Star that the company has. It might be more users, it might be more revenue, it might, depending on what it is, that's how you're going to define your own objectives on how to achieve yeah. that. And then you need that partnership with the engineering team. Talking about that, partnering with engineering teams. Out of the CEOs you know or personally work with, who understood product the best, and why?
1: Um, hmm. uh, there, I'm, I think there have been a couple. I've been really fortunate to have uh, CEOs who really kind of understood product, and I think it's it's probably not an accident that you know an interview process you get a sense of who you're working with and how they feel about things. Um, my current boss at Wild Alaskan understands very, very well. He's an engineer uh, by training um, and, uh, and understands the process. I would say that, um, you know, he's he's uh, hands-on and pretty involved in things. And I think there's a lot of advantages to that. Um, I have also worked with CEOs um, at uh, at Imperfect Foods, at Bluestem Brands, um, who uh, were a little bit more hands-off and had an appreciation for what we were doing, but but not as much of an understanding uh, or, or maybe interest in the details. I think that could be really successful too. Um, I've, I've been really lucky in, in my career with the people that I've worked with and I've been, I, again, I have been purposeful about making sure that I'm working with people who are aligned. Very good. And with the technology team, with the development team, what needs to
0: happen for product and development to work well together?
1: Um, the. Uh, you know, some of the just kind of day-to-day mechanisms, I think, are great, right? Daily stand-ups and those kinds of things kind of start to foster um, some good communication. I think that having the right amount of process is important. Um, I think um, I think building trust is incredibly important. Um, and I think that this, you know, one thing that that I really focus on that I think a lot of companies kind of miss is context. Um, I, it... Over the years, I mean, I've kind of surveyed a bunch of of my teams and other teams through companies, and it's very, very um, frequently people respond um, that, you know, work is great, but they don't have the context they they need to make decisions. They don't get information um, that they need in time. They, uh, you know, communication just doesn't flow that well. I think that um, my philosophy on building great teams, uh, including digital product and product development teams, is that you need to hire great people, but you need to give them the ability to kind of do their jobs, right? And the ability to do their jobs means they have to understand company goals. They have to understand business context. They need to understand, um, how a company makes money. They need to understand, um, you know, if, if the company is in a, you know, challenging financial position because there's been some investment, like there's a whole bunch of different things that people can, um, you know, in a company where people can be transparent, certainly there's cases where people can't know everything. Um, but the more you can share with your team, the the better off you're going to be. The product people, um, product designers, uh, software engineers are very, very smart people and and generally very logical people. And if you can help them understand the why behind what they're doing and the value behind what they're doing, and then even better if you can follow up afterwards to show them the impact that the work they had had on the business or its customers and then you know you can have a very very high performing very successful team what do you
0: think about the development team being in touch with customers how is it you know how do you do it to do it right when do you do it to do it right do you open that possibility do you close that possibility what do you think about that
1: well, I mean, you know already from our conversation that I'm very, very open to the possibility. I love it. Um, I want engineers to have as much direct um, direct contact information as they can. Um, you know, I think the specifics are all, you know, kind of to be figured out as you go. Um, I I think there are certainly times when you want to give your your engineers the ability to be heads down on projects. And, um, you know, sometimes product managers can be great translators and, and help kind of protect engineering time. Um, but I think, you know, done right and at the right time, um, I think it's really important. I think, you know, I actually, going back to the story that I told, you know, when we first started talking, I think having that, the You know you've got people who are writing about bad software and trying to design software so it's not quite as bad and i think all of those things you know get much easier when your engineers have empathy for their users for your members for your customers and and that that comes from direct experience more than anything else
0: do you see that often do you you think that in our companies uh, developers know what the users are going through, or sometimes are they operating just in a silo of, you know, e- user story, get this
1: ticket done. Yeah, I don't think it happens often at all. Um, I think it's a it's a super great point. Um, I think it needs to happen more. I, you know, it's very much related to that context, right? You just, um, you know, reading about something is very different than experiencing it yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, wondering out loud, do you think, so agile gave us a lot of, um, rules on how to allow engineers to focus on their work so that they can be more productive, right? and, and also. It gave us tools so that we can change scope as and when needed and and have short delivery cycles so that we can adapt, right. But at the same time, I will venture, and I want to know your opinion that we protected software developers so much that we they, you know, we did them at this service because right now they, you know. The, the, in between, just talking to the product owner, and you know, maybe the scrum master is there, etc. cetera. Et cetera. So if, all, if you follow Agile to the to the letter of the book, uh, it feels like they are not really talking to anyone uh, many times. <laughs> maybe doing a demo for leadership, right? But
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I right. the- uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think we've got a lot of things wrong. You know, when it's this whole thing when I first became aware of it, it was called like XP or extreme programming, right? Yes. Back in the day. And extreme programming was supposed to be like a customer, a developer, and a business person, I think, right? I think it was just a group of three people and they would iterate. And you knew because your customer was there that you weren't going to build the wrong thing. And, um, and uh, I think, um, I, you know, I'm not sure that I, I would advocate for that approach again, but I do think that we've gotten... Especially in this remote environment, right? We've just gotten far away from uh, our customers. We've we've also gotten worse at asking each other questions. I feel like, you know, we we have this conversation all the time with my current team. That is, you know, it's very easy to suffer in silence and to have, um, you know, to have a a technical. Uh, issue or a person issue or a requirement issue and try to figure it out on your own because you don't want to bug anybody and you can't just walk over to somebody's desk. And I think we need to work hard to get over those things and get closer to each other, ask more questions, you know, get to know our customers better.
0: Can someone be a good technology leader if they don't know how to code?
1: Uh, well, I hope so. Uh, cause, cause that's what I am. Uh, <laughs> I um Yeah. I think that, um, I, I would not say it's an advantage to not be a developer myself. Um, I, but I, I would say it's okay if you have the right person, they understand the technology enough, they have the right level of empathy. Um, for me as a leader, my strength has, has really been, building teams making sure they're aligned making sure they have the right goals making sure they have what they need to operate uh well creating an environment where the best people can have the right conversations identifying what some of those conversations are uh but when it when we get into like deep architecture conversations i i, I want somebody there who has that skill set um I, I think that i've been you know pretty successful in in making that happen and I've had I think this is my fourth job now where I've been hired as the product and product design leader and also then taken on the technology team. Um, And I think that's because there is a real need on the technology side for empathetic leaders who can align teams uh, around company goals, bring out the best in the engineers, help them with kind of, you know, career development and context and uh, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and I think it's hard to find people who are able to do that across, um, across multiple teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I absolutely need great technologists who are working on my teams in order for us to be successful, for sure.
0: This one is a question that, you know, I always ask it with a disclaimer. I know I'm leading the witness because of the elephant in the room, but what new technology gets you excited? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, there's this thing called AI, right? There's the elephant <laughs> in the room. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's impossible not to talk about AI, right? It it's the possibilities are, are endless and incredible and, and the value that it will unlock for our business and really for every business that's paying attention are enormous, um people have a lot of fear around it. And I think, you know, I think keeping your AI discussions rooted in not just what the technology can do, but why it matters and what it can do for your business and what it can do for your customers. I think, I think those are the kinds of conversations that keep you rooted in the things that are important. Um, you know, it's not a, I prefer to think of it as a, kind of we've got these business problems and it is an incredible way that we can start to think about solving them as opposed to, all right, AI is this big thing and we're a technology company and we got to figure out how to use it. Right. Um, yeah. you know, I think those conversations are interesting, certainly. And I, I, just like anybody else who's intellectually curious, like I'd love to kind of ruminate on what it means to the world and, and w- what, what it will mean to our kids. Um, but, you know, there's real ways to add value to our members lives uh leveraging ai um and so those are the conversations i'm most excited about
0: do you um both of your kids are in college yes um do you think often or do you talk uh, with them about what their you know what the future of work will be and what world they are getting in
1: um yeah it's a great question and it's also a hard question i would say uh we talk about it a little bit. Um, my son is a jazz bass major, um, mm-hmm. and so I would say he's he's kind of gone a path that's pretty far away from the technology stuff that we've been talking about. Although, you know, you and me and and many of the other technologists I know are also uh, musicians or jazz majors, right? Um, I I think um, what I love when I talk to my kids is to understand kind of how they're thinking about the workforce they're very much you know they talk a lot about being in person and making sure that's part of the experience uh we talk a little bit about technology um we talk a little bit about social media a little bit about ai um but you know as a parent i think you need to be a little bit cautious about those conversations and make sure that you're not maybe leading the witness too much and letting your kids explore those things for themselves um yeah i it's a—I uh, i love to engage uh in those topics i also you know i want the kids to find their own path
0: it's a great approach um lee one last question what do you do when you are not working
1: oh well all sorts of things um well we, we talked a little bit about music i play in a band um i love that it's you know making great music and playing music with people that i, I just really love so i look forward to that it's a Part of the create creative process that I just I just kind of can't get enough of. I write songs and I sing and play guitar. so that's great. Um, I love to ride my bike, I play tennis, I love to travel um I eat good food. Um, and so some of that is you know I work at a company that that sells really good really good wild caught um, salmon and other other fish mostly from Alaska um, I like to cook um, but uh, yeah I mean I think um, all that stuff. Uh, I buy too many vinyl records. Um, it's just something that I love. There's something about that experience, I think. A lot of people are experiencing that, right? Where um, you could get everything on Spotify, but but it's kind of nice to just sit down and, and listen for 20 minutes to one side of a record. So I'm I'm enjoying that also. I read books. I do a lot of things. I, I have a, a lot of hobbies.
0: Two follow-up questions. First one, how many records do you have?
1: Uh, I don't know. 300, something like that. I know it's not going to impress anybody who's a real vinyl collector. Well, we have, um, it, it impresses me. It impresses, <laughs> uh, I, I had a friend
0: that, uh, that what he does is he keeps, he has an app or something. So when he goes uh, and look for records, he doesn't remember all the 300, right? So he keeps a list just to make sure when he gets excited about one, do I already have this one, right? <laughs>
1: <Are laughs> You're you having problem point? when you don't remember if you have it, right?
0: Yeah, you have too yeah. many, right? Um, right, and then the, the other question that I had, uh, is, um, pickleball, the whole, the whole, the whole oh. crazy thing about what the, as a tennis player, right? You love tennis. You like playing tennis and you see all of those guys playing pickleball. And now I, I turn on even ESPN and I see a pickleball contest and I'm like, what, what's your reaction?
1: <laughs> pickleball is like ai isn't it it's uh it's here to stay and we need to figure out how we're going to to reckon with it and use it for for uh positive purposes <laughs> i uh i love tennis i've played pickleball a couple of times i think that's really fun too and um and so yeah there's there's room in my life for both very
0: good i love that answer lee it was a pleasure talking to you. I hope we can do this sometime again. I hope sometime we can play music together. Who knows? I would love Um, that. And I appreciate you being a part of the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks.